way back in the 80s, Greg and I used to listen to that radio show called The Prairie Home Companion. How many of you remember that show? How many of you love to listen to it too? It was on public radio, it was a great show. Uh, we loved that show every Saturday night. We actually saw a live taping of it once in Radio City Music Hall, which was really, really cool. You wouldn't think that watching the taping of a radio show would be that interesting, but it was really fun. Garrison Keeler, who was the host of that show, uh, was a master storyteller, and that's an art that I love so dearly. He went decades, he spent decades telling the stories of his fictitious hometown in Minnesota called Lake Wobegon. As many characters who populated that imaginary town were vibrant and relatable. His stories ranged from silly to sad and to poignant. By the time the storytelling segment of that show was done, Greg and I would usually be in peals of laughter, or we would be in tears, or at the very least, really thoughtful. We felt like we personally knew some of those characters from the town, or at least we, we knew people who were exactly like them, because they were all fiction. They were all part of Garrett Keeler's imagination. He also wrote books, too, that elaborated on what life was like in that little town. At the end of each storytelling segment, do you remember what the slogan was? That's the news from Lake Bolgadon where, you better remember? The women are strong, the men are good looking, and all the children are above average. <laughs> that slogan, as endearing as that is, is a shorthand to encapsulate the hopes, but not always the reality of life in a small town. The rich stories of the flawed people there were much more endearing than the slogan itself. I wonder if we are telling the story of this place, of this community, what would our slogan be? What would our tagline be of Manchester United Methodist Church? I was playing with this a bit this morning, and I thought, I hope our tagline is not there's plenty of room in the pews, because as we are coming back to in-person worship, we invite you to come back and join us. Uh, come back. It is, it is nice here. But maybe it's the slogan is this, Manchester United Methodist Church, breaking bread together since 1836 with a side of potato salad. There might be any number of slogans about this. I was playing with, I'm also preaching up at Chelsea Retirement Community today, and I, I'm going to ask them the same question. What would the slogan of this place be? And I came up with something like this, where all the knees have been replaced, but the characters are all original works of art. <laughs> or maybe this, Chelsea Retirement Community, living to the fullest every day. I like that one. Our United Methodist denomination has a slogan, open hearts, open minds, open doors. Describes us all right. It's aspirational. We're hoping for it. 
Listen, we can never really capture the beauty of a community or a person in a short, compact little statement. We need a larger chunk of story to do that. I have done hundreds of memorials and funerals by now, and I have heard many family members struggle with this to honor their loved ones. They, they struggle with it to come up with all kinds of beautiful stories. And I've told them, I've learned to let them have permission to tell the whole beautiful truth, the whole beautiful truth about a person's life. So just as an aside, when the time comes to have a memorial service for me, please don't say something like, boy, she was always such a good person. Tell the stories of how I learned from my mistakes, will ya? How I grew from being a jerk into being a little bit less of a jerk. Tell that story. Tell the stories of personal growth because really, that's what I'm most grateful for in my life. When all is said and done through this kind of storytelling, we try to make meaning out of our lives and out of our relationships with one another which will always include heartache and challenge and sinfulness and hopefully forgiveness too. This is how we learn, after all, from acknowledging our faults, our weaknesses, and our sins. Confession is good for the soul, they say, and I think that is so because we cannot really learn from the cleanup or sanitized version of our lives. We tell the whole complicated story so that we can grow. And we do this as a community, too, so we can grow and grow together. Our scripture reading from the book of Second Samuel today continues our story of King David, who has now gone from shepherd boy to coronated king. Today's lesson is about how David finally stepped into the kingship, first of Judah, which was the northern territory of Israel, and then in Israel to the south. David was, by all accounts, a brilliant leader, consolidating the kingdom and moving to the capital, moving the capital to the holy city of Jerusalem. He won the admiration of his people to almost mythical levels. They lauded his leadership, his courage, his strategic abilities in war with neighboring nations. Under his rule, Israel thrived and became unified in their purpose and in their identity. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that the people of the time would chant some sort of song that I don't know the tune to, but it sounded something like, Saul has slain his thousands, but David has slain his ten thousands. Right? He became a mythological hero almost. But King David was a complicated man, capable of manipulation, and violence. He was not simply he was not simply a hero. He was a man who struggled with temptation, whose family was full of treachery and brokenness and betrayal. But remember, 
The people of the time in Israel didn't have newspapers. They didn't have TV. They only had word of mouth to communicate with each other. It would have been tempting in any given part of the kingdom of Israel to believe that David was a real superhero. After all, if you had lived your whole lives being besieged by the Philistines, and King David put an end to that war and diplomacy, of course you would think he was a hero, and that would be the story that you would tell to all your neighbors. Our New Testament reading that Pam read for us is quite a contrast. It's the story of Jesus, who returned to his hometown after traveling around the countryside, doing great works of healing and preaching good news to the poor. You remember this passage. It's really familiar to most of us. The locals talked among themselves to ask, isn't this guy Mary and Joseph's boy? Didn't he just grow up down there, just down the road? His mom is still here with us, right? And, although the question is not listed in the Gospel, it's imaginable, because we know how small towns work, it's imaginable that someone might have said, remember all those years ago, his mom was pregnant out of wedlock, right? Who does this guy think that he is preaching to us? We've known him his whole life. The Gospel of Mark says that they were repulsed by him. In the very same reporting in the Gospel of Luke, they were so upset by his teaching that they tried to throw him off a cliff. For those folks, Jesus' tagline or slogan might have been something like, Jesus, the hometown kid who got too big for his britches. Thank God that's not the real story. Thank God that's not the story we remember. The passage also includes the mission to the disciples to go out into the countryside and preach and heal, just like Jesus had been doing. He also sent them with another set of instructions for the inevitable times when they were going to be rejected in any given hometown or household. Just leave and shake the dust of your feet off. The homegrown locals were going to tell stories before Jesus and his disciples even got to town. Who would believe? Who would reject Jesus and his teaching? Who would find themselves repulsed by him? And who would be completely transformed? contrast of these two accounts of David and Jesus struck me this week as examples of kinds of stories that we need to pay attention to right now. If you study the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament, you find that the narratives actually are very well fleshed out, but you have to study it. You have to read it. There's a lot of detail, and by studying it, we have to continue to be curious about it. We can't be satisfied with a simple answer. Today is July 4th, the day we celebrate the independence of our nation. And that is truly, truly, truly something to celebrate. That intrepid folks came to this land 
seeking a new way of life that included liberty to worship, to live, to work in ways that had not been easy or even possible in the lands of their birth. Their ideals and aspirations and potential of what the people of the United States of America can create is still an astonishing experiment in freedom. And our story is also full of sin. It is a story about claiming the beauty of and potential of this land, and also the story of destruction of much of the natural beauty through deforestation, pollution, and uncontrolled development. And hopefully, it's the continuing story of how we help to remedy that as we learn more. It's the story of creativity and innovation and building of things like railroads and highway systems and technology that had been unfathomable to generations before us. It's also the story of monumental inhumanity to Native peoples. It's a story of wealth. It's a story of prosperity. But not for everyone. Not yet. Ours is a story of courage and faith and ambition. Ours is also a story of enslavement of black and brown people and the reverberation of that original sin that is still bringing us to our core. It's a story of our slowness to correct social injustice based upon race and gender and economics. Ours is the story of civil war. Ours is the story of that great leader, Abraham Lincoln, who helped remind us that we are a people of justice and a people of liberty. Ours is also the story of his violent death for leading based on those principles. We don't dare simplify our, our story or boil it down to a slogan or two. It's too important. It's too precious to condense it down. What have we come to know as a people rising from ignorance to wisdom? Well, how are we growing from oppression or liberation? How have we learned to use our innovation to better everyone's circumstances and not to feed the greed of the few? Are we getting better even in this very moment? Yes. That's where the good stuff is. It's in our story of evolving into a great society and is absolutely still a work in progress. The worship of our own historic greatness as a nation sometimes only undermines our aspiration toward becoming something always better than what we were before and what we currently are. Maybe our tagline should be America, a great and beautiful work in progress. Happy Fourth of July, my friends. Thank you all for being in beloved community, beloved work in progress together. That we call family, community, church, and the entire human race. Amen.
up the nation to the city number 428. 